The Sober Highway Podcast is brought to you by Brainwashed Coffee Company. We all know how important coffee is to the recovery community, but what's even more important is that Brainwashed Coffee Company donates 50% of its proceeds to people in addiction recovery. Visit brainwashedcoffeecode.com and use the promo code SOBERHIGHWAY at checkout for 20% off your coffee order. What better way to support people in addiction recovery than with a great bag or bundle of Brainwashed Coffee? Brainwashed Coffee Company. Simple coffee for complicated people. We are also brought to you by Fukit Clothing. Fukit is an inspirational brand with the mission to inspire and motivate people to live life without regret and accept challenges that are worth the risk. Visit the link in the episode description and use the promo code SOBERHIGHWAY at checkout for a discount on your order. I'm actually wearing one of their hats right now as I'm recording and editing this episode. Again, check out Fukit Clothing at the link in the episode description and help support an amazing brand bringing awareness to mental health issues and suicide prevention. Hey everybody, what's going on? Today is Tuesday, August 3rd, 2021, and it is time for the Henrik Lundquist, episode 30 of your favorite recovery talk show, The Sober Highway Podcast. We have some cool new stuff for you guys this week. I mean, new intro music, new outro music, which I'll let play through this week so you can hear the whole song because it's freaking dope. This week, we're just going to talk about recovery in the news again. So I hope you guys are excited because it's been a while since we've done this one. Get ready, get set, and let's go. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. My name is Dan. And my name is Anika. And welcome to the Sober Highway Podcast. We are two young social workers who have dedicated our lives and careers to affecting change in the addiction recovery community. We want to use this podcast as a platform to take the things we have learned over the course of our careers and share it with our listeners. At the end of the day, we hope to inspire as many people as we can to make a change and live a lifestyle free of drugs and alcohol. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. So basically, the reason why we can't get rid of StreamYard just yet is because of the recording feature. Um, that makes sense. So with Zoom, you can record, but the problem is it records both of us in mono and not stereo, which makes it, um, <clears throat> which makes it a little bit more difficult for me to edit. So in order to keep the editing's pro- my editing process the same, I'd like to keep StreamYard. That's fine. Um as far as like live streaming everything, we'll still use Streamlabs because it's we get a little bit more customizability. Um but that's going to take I got to like rework everything, so for now we're just going to use StreamYard and then hopefully like tomorrow when I have some free time, I'll finagle everything back so that it that it works with StreamYard instead of Zoom. Yeah. So, how have you been? How's how's work? How's life? It's really the same. <laughs> um, not not too exciting. I mean, work is is the usual. Um, like I said, I have an audit, so I'm finishing that up. Um. Mm-hmm. I am. Um, oh, I like that that brainwashed coffee co. Yeah, I figured it would be That's a great really way to cute. plug them. 
I got this amazing mug, not from them, but um, I, I figured. Was, oh, you put the sticker. I put on the it. sticker on there. Yeah, I, I thought, thought it would that be they a, made it like that. That was that. Would be well, cool. I mean, Billy, if you're watching this and you want to send me a <laughs> mug or you want to send us mugs, that would be perfectly fine. Uh, no, but this is just a mug I have from home. Um, I'm okay. actually, I'm actually trying one of their new coffees. It's something that I've had, like they sent me a while back, but I haven't gotten around to trying it. Um, so this is one of their new, one of their roasts called Coffee Commitment. And one of the new things that they're doing um, at Brainwashed is they're doing like coffee, almost like tea bags. So instead of like, if you don't have a grinder and you still want, you know, ground coffee and you don't have a, like a brewer, um, they'll, they do they're going to be doing tea bags soon. So it's like an instant coffee kind of. Yeah. In a tea bag yeah. form. Like yeah, it's basically, yeah, it's basically like uh, instant coffee in a tea bag. By the way, Tom, thanks for the like on Facebook. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Um, that's um, cool. But yeah. So Brainwash Coffee. By the way, if you go to Brainwash Coffee's website, which we will link in the... Um, uh, which we'll link in the episode when it goes live on all of our podcasting platforms. Um, and you tell them the Sober Highway sent you by entering the code Sober Highway when you check out. Um, you'll get 20% off your order. And they do whole bean. For right now, they do whole bean. They do ground. And they do 12-ounce bags or 5-pound bags. Um, I'm not that adventurous yet to go 5-pound bag. But their coffees are really good. Their coffee commitment roast is very good. Their um, your ego is not your amigo brand, uh, blend is really good, and their higher powder roast is delicious. Um, the other thing to keep in mind about Brainwashed is they uh, they donate fifty percent of their proceeds to people in addiction recovery, which I think is an amazing thing, and that's why I that's why I think it's awesome that we partnered with them. Yeah, but I digress. So. Still pretty pregnant, huh? Yeah, yeah. Just chilling, not, you know. What, what can I do? <laughs> not much. But, by the way, remember how I remember how I mentioned to you that my buddy, um, I was talking to you about my buddy Tom, who who gave birth yesterday, last week. Mm-hmm. That was the one that dropped the like on the stream. Oh, cool. So, Tom, if you're still watching. Congratulations. Uh, Hopefully yes. you're, you're having fun with your newborn. Mm-hmm. Probably just sleeping and pooping a lot. <laughs> that, that sounds about right. Sorry, I'm getting over a cold, which is an interesting story, I'll tell you. <coughs> Oof. Yeah, my, my, Sorry, my, chat. Sorry. My stories this week really are not that interesting. The only thing, yesterday we went um, to walk around a little because it was like so nice and it wasn't so hot. Okay. So we went out to Port Jeff. And I yeah. haven't been there in a long time. Um, it was cute, you know. We got some lunch, walked around. Okay. Nothing now, Port Jeff is a far drive from you guys because you live out. You live down on the South Shore. Yeah, I mean it's it's a little bit of a ride, but again, we wanted to maybe go out east, but I was like, my bladder cannot hold that. I am going to need like twenty bathroom breaks if we go out somewhere like out east. <laughs> okay. So it was quick question. In I gotta. Random question to ask you. You've played the license plate game before, right? No. 
Have you ever heard of the license plate game? Yes. Okay. So you you're familiar with the rules and how it's supposed to be played, right? Mm-hmm. So if I were to ask you, if you're playing the license plate game on a road trip and you see a license plate that's on a tractor trailer, does that count? Do tractor trailer license plates count? That's the question. I don't know. I don't think so. Okay, what if it was what if it was a plate that was like so random that if it wasn't on a tractor trailer, you probably would never see it. I mean, I can maybe. For example, if it was something on the West Coast, or on the west in the western part of the, of the states where you would never see it. What does it count then? I don't know. I guess maybe. I see. I'm a person. I need to go over rules of the game before starting the game with the person <clears throat> I'm playing with. I'm okay. definitely that type A person. Okay. Because here's the deal. So Michelle and I started the license plate game. I want to say we started playing this round. Back in, I'm sorry, we started July 10th of last year. Okay, so we're just over a year into this round, and we're only missing one state. Really? Which state do you think it is? I'm going to say, I saw Hawaii recently, so I'm not going to say, is it Hawaii? No, it's not Hawaii. In fact, in fact, I've actually seen two Hawaii license plates inside of the last year. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, I saw one, definitely one. I don't think two, definitely. How one. many times have you seen that before? I that might have been the first time. It was right? really bizarre. The, yeah. The only way for you to get a Hawaii license plate in New York, first of all, the two times I saw it were not in New York. One yeah, was in too. one was that they were actually both on I-95, which is not surprising that they would be on I-95, but neither of them were in New York. But the only way to get a Hawaii license plate in on the East Coast or in the continental United States is to put it on a boat. Mm-hmm. So think about that. Yeah. Um, um, and I'm not going to say Alaska because I've seen those too. It's Alaska. Oh, is it really? Yeah. That's the one state we're missing. Because those are the two that typically like, <clears throat> you don't see that often. Those were, those were the last, those were the last two we had. And we actually saw the Hawaii plate. And we saw it on I-95 when I was coming back from the Cape for my birthday last year. So three months into this whole thing, we saw the Hawaii, the Hawaii lives play. I literally lost my shit. If you, when, when the four of us, like, you know, Michelle and I, and you and Carlos finally get together and I can tell you this story, Michelle will agree. Well, she'll be like, he went berserk. That was like the greatest birthday gift ever was seeing a Hawaii license plate. And it's but, so funny because I think we saw the Hawaii one on I-95 as well when mm-hmm. we were coming back from Newport. And we were like, is that Hawaii? Like, that's bizarre. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's crazy. Um, and like a lot of the only reason the reason why I asked you that question before was because um, like there are a lot of like weird states that you'll see like on a tractor trailer that you would never see in New York. Like a lot of the Amazon trailers are from like Oregon or um, you'll see a lot of like Idaho plates. You'll see Mm -hmm. a lot of 
Um, you Dakotas. see a lot, a lot. Yeah, I've seen quite a few Dakota plates. Um, more so South Dakota. Yeah. Uh, we've seen a whole bunch of Indiana plates, which is crazy. Like all the UPS trucks have Indiana plates. I think all the FedEx trucks have Indiana plates. That's probably the most common state, like that's not on the East Coast that we've seen. Um, I saw a Colorado plate the other day. Um, but Michelle has an app on her phone and it keeps track of when we see each plate for the first time. Oh, that's too funny. Um, so when I when I saw the Hawaii plate, no, I think I was with her, but there was this one plate that I saw that we were missed for a long time. And, oh, it was Utah. We hadn't seen a Utah plate. That was like one of the last couple we needed. And I saw the plate. I wasn't with her. So I kept calling her. I was blowing up her phone. I was, and she wasn't answering. And I was like, and I texted her. I pulled over. I texted her. I was like, you need to call me right fucking now. And then she calls me. And she's like, what? What? Is it okay? Are you okay? I'm like, I saw Utah. Let's go. And Meanwhile, she's like worried something happened yeah. to you. Yeah, yeah. Um. <clears throat> so anyway, back to back to our stories, other stories, work-related stories. I have a story for you. Oh, tell me about it. Uh, two stories, actually. So one, this dated back to, I think it was last week, this past weekend, where, I don't know if I told, I said this on last week's show, but there was a woman that came in. She's very well known to our ED. Um, and she was looking for, she had come in at one o'clock on Saturday morning. So this was nine hours before I even got to the hospital and she was drunk as a skunk and she was looking for treatment. So being that she was drunk and she wasn't really able to walk, the attending was basically like, all right, we'll hold her here until 10 o'clock when Dan comes in. And like Dan could try and get her into rehab, right? So I get there. I talk to her by by ten o'clock. Um, actually, by like ten thirty, because once I got in, I got to set up everything and make sure my station's looking good, whatever. So by the time I got to meet with her, she was sobered up. She was completely fine. Um, and she was like, "Dan, I really want to go to rehab." And she starts crying. She starts giving me the sob story. And regardless of whether or not I believe her. It's my obligation to find her treatment. So, so I found her a program and um, the van gets there. The van was like, the guy was like, I'm not going to be able to get there till like two o'clock. So I spoke to the attending. The att I said to the attending, look, the van's not going to be here till two. Can we keep her here until two? They were like, yes. Um, they gave her a dose of Librium just to hold her over. So she doesn't withdraw in the van on the way to rehab. I'm sorry, on the way to detox. <clears throat> the van gets here. I push her out to the van in a wheelchair. And the van, the van driver is like, where's her ID? And she was like, I don't have ID. And he's like, well, I can't take her to detox if she doesn't have photo ID. So I'm like, let me, let me run inside really quick. See if maybe I can find a copy of her photo ID in her chart. This woman has been a patient of this hospital for, I want to say, at least 10, 15 years. Nobody ever got a copy of her photo ID. Interesting. 
So I was like, dude, you got to help me. Like, please just take, <clears throat> just take this woman, please. He's like, I can't do it, Dan. So he left. And now I'm stuck with this woman. And he's, and I'm like, listen, I'm going to, I'm going to try my best to find you a program. Like I'm, I'm going to do whatever I can. Four, like three and a half hours went by and I wasn't able to find her a program. Because they all want ID. They all want ID. And half of them, actually, if not, I would say maybe like 75% of them were like, we know that patient and we don't want to take her because of her previous behavior. She's, she's, she can be very nasty, which I'll explain more in a second. So after I got off the, I was spent, I was on the phone for three and a half hours trying to find this woman a program. I explained to her, I was like, listen, I'm having a really tough time getting you into a program. So is there any way that like, I can, I can put you in a cab or like you can go somewhere. Like, do you have a place to stay tonight? And then you come back tomorrow morning and my colleague will help you. And she's like, no, I'm homeless. I'm like, okay, well, I can, I can get you a cab to take you to a shelter, like the intake shelter in Brooklyn. And she's like, she's like, I don't want to go there. So I'm like, you're really making this difficult for me because I can't, I'm, I've been working my ass off trying to find you a program. I'm not finding you a program. Okay. <clears throat> I'm giving you an option to go to a shelter and to get you back here first thing tomorrow morning. And you're like, you're not, you're not working with me. So like, I'm trying to help you, but you're not helping me help you. And then she starts getting nasty with me. She starts throwing F-bombs. She's like, I can't walk and you're doing this to me and this and that. But she was perfectly fine to walk when I was able to get her into detox, when she thought I was getting her to detox before. Mm -hmm. And um, <clears throat> so I was trying to explain this all to the doctor and the doctor was like, the doctor was basically like, you know what? I've had enough. So the attendant goes up to her and says, ma'am, because I'm not going to say names, ma'am, you cannot stay here anymore. It's you've been here since one o'clock this morning. It is now six o'clock in the afternoon, six o'clock in the evening. You need to go. I don't care where you go, but you need to leave. So she was like, all right, get me a cab to the address that's in my chart. I'll come back tomorrow. So I got her the cab. I had to wait for the cab. The cab took her home. So I didn't leave until maybe like a good hour or so after my shift was supposed to end. I got paid overtime for it. So thank you. Thank you to my supervisor for, for doing that. But like when I got back on Tuesday, so I was there. I was with her Saturday. My colleague dealt with her Sunday and Monday. I came back Tuesday and she was still at the hospital looking for a placement. And as I was walking in Tuesday, she was getting into a van going to rehab. Can you believe that? Four days we were working with this woman to find her. And this is an ED setting. Yeah. Like that's unprecedented. Well, I mean – there's definitely like multiple obstacles for her, right? In particular, no, no ID. If she has been a difficult client at <clears throat> previous detoxes or rehabs, you know, sometimes they do say we're not taking this person, right? And you know, what's crazy is the other programs that I've worked at before, um, 
like they don't like we've had pro like patients that would treat the program like a revolving door. Mm-hmm. Like they would just come and go as they please. And they, and it's not like when they would go, they would say, it's not like they'd be like, yeah, I don't want to see, I don't want to be here anymore. They would just ghost us, you know? Yeah. Um, hold on. Liana Rosales. Thanks for the, for the like on Facebook. Appreciate it. Um, but, um, <clears throat> They would just ghost us. They wouldn't answer our phone calls. They wouldn't do anything. And so they would just come back out of the blue saying, hey, I want to come back to treatment. And we'd be like, okay, right? So you would think that other programs would do the same thing for for this patient, but no. Um, <clears throat> and I understand. I understand why they do it. I mean – this woman, I've seen this woman come in drunk before, and she's very, very nasty. Yeah, I mean, a, a couple of places that I've I've worked at. I mean, it really depends on on what behaviors are exhibited. But like, if you're like violent or threatening to like any staff or other clients, like they don't want to take you back because it's unsafe. Right. You know. Right. Um, so I don't it, think this woman's a violence risk because. In addition to her substance use issues, she is fairly overweight, and I don't think she's fast enough to be anyone's issue. Yeah, but you never know. But you never know. I mean, I've seen people that are, you know, I remember there was a guy that came in, couldn't have weighed more than 100 pounds. He was all skin and bones. But when those freaking EDPs come in, man, those people are freaking strong as hell. It's unreal. Um, okay, yeah, the challenges of getting somebody into detox or rehab, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, um, it, sounded, it's, it sounds like, though, uh, she really was motivated, at least, to get treatment because right. she kept coming back to, to the ED every yeah. day, right? So, mm-hmm. I mean, that's something. Yeah, and I think I think that was kind of the reason why we, we kept pushing to find her a program. Because a lot of patients that come into the ED are like that, where they'll want to go to detox, they'll want to go to rehab, whatever, they'll want to do some sort of treatment, and we'll bust our ass looking for programs for them. And when we're unsuccessful, we'll tell them, hey, could you come back tomorrow morning? And they never come so back. We can, and they never come back. So when she came back, we were like, okay, we really need to spend a little bit more time with this. Yeah. And we got, and we got, like, we billed, like, every time we spoke to her, we billed for it. We got paid. So, you know, the hospital was actually pretty happy about that. Good. Yeah. I mean, look, if if you're having trouble getting into to rehab or detox and you're listening, you know, mm-hmm. um, sometimes if you're really serious, you know, just keep being persistent. Depending on the area mm-hmm. you live in, it can be hard to get into treatment, mm-hmm. but just keep trying. Yeah. If, if you're... If you're listening to the podcast, like if you're watching it live or if you're listening to it after the fact and you are looking for programs and you're having difficulty doing so, shoot us a DM on any of our social medias, which we'll, we'll give you at the end of the show, and um, and we'll hook you up with whatever you need. We'll, we'll point, help point you in the right direction. Um. <clears throat> So do you have, did you bring anything to the table to talk about? Cause I got a couple of things I found online that I wanted to talk about. Um, 
I don't really have anything right now. Okay. So here is the first thing. Have you been watching the Olympics at all? Not really. A little here and there, but I've been kind of busy. Okay. I haven't seen too much. I don't know if this is addiction related, but it does have to do with medication. So I wanted to talk about it. Mm -hmm. We got to talk about Simone Biles. Mm -hmm. You're familiar with Simone Biles. Yes. You're familiar, you're familiar with the whole issue surrounding Simone Biles. Yes. Okay. So essentially for those of you guys that are not listening, Simone Biles is a rock star gymnast. Um, who just so happens to be a person of color, which is pretty, which in my opinion is irrelevant, but essentially she's basically the goat of gymnastics and she goes to um, Tokyo for the Olympics representing the United States. And um, partway through the competition, she withdraws due to mental health issues. Um, and after doing a little research, I've been watching the news, I've been doing some reading, and essentially what I found out is um, Simone Biles was diagnosed with ADHD as a very young child, and she was prescribed amphetamines for ADHD as a young child. Um, I believe she said she was taking Concerta, but that's, or Adderall, some, some form of amphetamine, right? And she had been taking it her entire life. And according to the World Anti-Doping Agency, those prescriptions that she was taking are considered banned substances. Even the medicine that I take, Vyvanse, that's a, that's a banned substance. Like if you go to any international competition, that's a banned substance. But if you're prescribed that for a, for a mental or medical condition, you can get exempt from it. But like there's all these hoops that you have to jump through to get it. It's not like you just get a note from your doctor or whatever. But being that she's at the pinnacle of her, you know, she's at the top of her field, at the top of her sport, naturally she's going to get exempt. Now in Tokyo or in Japan, amphetamines are banned. Like they're completely illegal. So the IOC said to her, yeah, like you can't, you can't take those substances while you're here. Mm-hmm. So she's making the case, everybody's making the case that the fact that she didn't have those medications were what contributed to the issues that she was experiencing that prompted her to drop out. It may or may not have. It may or may not have. <clears throat> but the way, the reason why this is bothering me is that because people are, you know, running her name through the mud because she dropped out of the Olympics. Yeah. Well, and I think, I think like one of the, the bigger things for me, for me, it's not so much like, oh, like whether she takes medication or not, right? Because she's legally mm -hmm. prescribed a medication for a condition that she has, which first of all, should be nobody's damn business. Exactly. Right. Unless she wants to openly share that. And by the way, I don't think it was leaked that she was taking, it, it was leaked that she was taking these substances. Yeah. So, you know, that that's my whole issue. If she wants to share that, then that's on her own accord that she wants mm -hmm. to. If not, like, mind your own damn business, right? Exactly. Um, but I think that the issue is, like, I've heard a lot of things about people being like, oh, like, she's so selfish, like, for, exactly. for quitting because of mental health. And that's not a team player. 
Like you have no idea if, if somebody had a broken leg, would you say they should still compete? Mm -hmm. They should, they should compete and, and be a team player and a team Mm -hmm. member just because it's mental health versus a physical health issue. It, it goes to show you how far we still have to go as a nation when it comes to addressing the stigma of mental health. Because when you think about it, if this was, what if this was a, a, um, a medicine that was for like a medical condition, like you take statins for cholesterol or you yeah. take, or you take aspirins, right? And you're not allowed to take aspirins. You're not allowed to take beta blockers because you have high blood pressure, right? What happens if you go a week without those medications or a couple of weeks without those medications and you freaking get a, you get a blood clot right in the middle of a competition and you drop dead right in the middle of the floor exercise, right? People wouldn't say anything about that, right? If it was a medical condition, right? This is something that she's been taking for years and years and years. And, you know, people don't know about amphetamines. And when you're withdrawing from amphetamines, it's brutal. Yeah. It's not a physical withdrawal, but the psychological piece is, is killer. Well, and people also don't realize ADHD actually has a lot of, um, like compared to some other mental health conditions, like there are brain scans that can basically show that you have a diagnosis of ADHD, right? So Mm -hmm. like a lot of young kids to confirm a diagnosis or even adults, you can go to um, a neurologist that specializes in that, Mm -hmm. get a brain scan to confirm that not just based on your symptoms, you have ADHD, but your brain scans will show this. It's very Mm -hmm. expensive. Most insurances don't cover it, right? But like, just to put some psycho ed out there for people that are like, oh, well, it's not real. No, it is real. Oh, it's very real. The science shows that it's real. It's something, it's something that I struggle with on a daily basis that I'm taking medicine for. And I find that the medicine helps me in more ways than one. Mm -hmm. Um, So for people to, for people to criticize her, for, for this whole thing, I would just say shame on you because you don't know. And you'll never know unless you're diagnosed with this difficult disorder. Um, <clears throat> moving on to another celebrity. Um, so this was something that was published a couple weeks ago. Um, so we've talked about our girl Demi multiple mm-hmm. times on this show. We streamed her dancing with the devil documentary which was amazing and she talks about her whole california sober thing um basically i I, I believe demi's pronouns are they yes i'm sorry uh i apologize demi if you're listening even though you're probably not i doubt she's listening i doubt she's listening listening. i'm sorry Um, they're listening so Demi's whole thing is California sober. So um, basically the whole California sober thing is I don't want to say like drinking and smoking weed are condoned. Is that, is that really a thing? Is that what it means? I don't think so. The way that they have explained California sober, Mm -hmm. which is done vaguely, and then, like, my own understanding from from other people is that California sober is kind of like a harm reduction. So you don't necessarily use your drug of choice. Right. But you may use alcohol or marijuana. 
Mm -hmm. in moderation. Now, what that means probably is very different for every individual. Mm -hmm. But that's been my understanding of it. So um, I don't know if you're familiar with the show um, Vanderpump Rules. I have heard of it. I'm not. I've never watched it. I don't really know anything about it. Okay, so one of the stars from the show, Lala Kent. I'm not familiar with this woman, but apparently she's very famous because she's on Vanderpump Rules. Um, basically is slamming Debbie. Um, Lala is saying, I'll just read this article from this website. Um, Lala Kent slams Demi Lovato's Cali Sober Lifestyle, whose adher- who's adherents drink and smoke weed in moderation as extremely offensive. Sorry. Ooh. I don't like to judge, but I actually think that's super offensive. The Vanderpump's Rules star said on David Yontef's Behind the Velvet Rope podcast. There are people out there who work their ass off to never take themselves out of reality and to never place themselves in an altered state. Kent, who's been sober since October 2018, added that there are people who won't even take Dayquil or NyQuil when they have a cold. Um, so she goes on to say, uh, so to say that you're like California sober or this type of sober is extremely offensive. Um, California sober is not a real thing. I've been in rooms with men and women who've given up everything just to not pick up. You're not sober if you're drinking or you're smoking weed. You are not sober. Um, Kent began to struggle with alcohol abuse after her father suddenly died in April 2018, decided to seek help later uh, that year after she drank for four straight days at Disney World on a family vacay with her fiance. (coughs) Ooh, I'm going to edit that out. Meanwhile, Lovato, who recently came out as non-binary and used they, them pronouns, revealed that they were drinking in moderation and smoking cannabis in March 2021, nearly three years after their near-fatal heroin and fentanyl overdose. Um, uh, Demi went on to say, I don't really feel comfortable explaining the parameters of my recovery to people because I don't want anyone to look at my parameters of safety and think that's think that that's what works for them because it might not. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't, my, well, just, I'll so, take, you go first and I'll give you my opinion I, on this I, whole thing. I think Lala Kent's issue, just from that little snippet, and again, I could be very wrong, Yeah, but it, it sounds like her issue with it is the, using the word sober in California, sober. Yeah. Right, and she's picking a, a a like an argument over the use of that word, right? Mm-hmm. Because she's coming from a traditional um, stance of most abstinence likely, only. Uh, yeah, abstinence only, and so sober would mean not to use any drugs or alcohol in your recovery. Right. Right. Um, whereas I think Demi is saying, well, for they. For their perspective, California sober means I'm not adhering to the traditional sobriety. I'm adhering to a harm reduction standpoint, Mm -hmm. right? And now does the word California, which is a state, right, um, really make that impact logistically by using it? I'm not sure, right? Mm -hmm. But to me, that's what it kind of comes off as is you have the the issue with the word sober in that. Yeah. If, if and she had come out and said, oh, 
I'm angry because Demi's using California sober instead of saying they're in a harm reduction model of recovery. It seems to be like Lala Kent is in La La Land because she needs to get woke about what California sober is and the fact that we are not in that we are not necessarily in that state of mind anymore as a recovery community, right? There are new things that are coming out and she needs to be, she needs to be understanding of the fact that, you know, you can in recovery, you can't yuck somebody's yum, right? Mm-hmm. Um, what one person's recovery program is may not work for someone else. So Demi has found something that works for them. And let them let, just let just let Demi rock with it. Yeah, they're well, doing really well. So let Demi go. Let her let let Demi do her thing or their thing. I'm sorry, I keep messing it up. I apologize. Well, I think that it's like one of those things too. Like people don't always think about like in twelve step programs too. Like how many people in AA and this is just my experience of working with people over the years. How many people use marijuana on an almost daily basis Yeah, while saying that they are sober, participating right. in a 12-step program, and do not tell other people about it? Oh, yeah. Right? Um, or people that are using um, Suboxone in, in NA, right? And right. Um, people are like, oh, well, that's not really sober. So people don't share about it. Mm-hmm. Right? And, and so all of these different things that are going on, like it's mm-hmm. been there. People are saying that they're in recovery. They're just not right. talking about it. Or they, in the past, they haven't really talked about the fact that they're using this model. I mean, I think people honestly just need to get, they need to get it through their thick skulls that marijuana is now becoming more commonplace and that people are going to be using it not only recreationally, but medicinally. Is that is that a word? Yeah, medicinally. If it's not a word, I just made it a word. Well, no, um, but it is because even in New York State, right? New York State, we, we talked about this, I believe, last week. I even had mentioned it, right? Like, it is, an, it is an appropriate use of medical marijuana if you have an opiate use disorder. You can get prescribed medical mm-hmm. marijuana in New York State. Right. And I believe that's the case in other states as well. Obviously, I just know New York. But, like... If, if like the state is saying that because it's harm reduction. Right. And it helps people, especially with chronic pain and things like that, that, that have a, an opiate use disorder, then who are we to say that that person is not sober? Right. So Demi, if you're listening, if this somehow manages to find you, rock on, keep doing what you're doing and the sober highway supports you. Fuck all those other people. Yeah. And, and look, I think the other thing is people also have to realize that like recovery is a process and a journey. And so mm-hmm. where you are right now in, in your recovery process may not be where you are in five years, may not be where you were five years ago. Right. So like there are people that need to maybe use alcohol or marijuana in, in moderation until right. they can get to that point that they really have no desire to use that either. Right. Right. Um. And, And so, like, I just want people to think about that, too, that, like, we're always evolving. We're always growing. And and that's part of how recovery is, too. Like, you don't want to stay stagnant. You want to question yourself if you are using 
certain substances in a harm reduction way or in moderation, like, is this beneficial to me? Is this doing anything for me? What am I getting out of it? Mm-hmm. Right, right. You know? Um, and, and if it bothers you that other people are using it in that way, and you, you are adhering to that abstinence only, then don't surround yourself with those people. Bingo. Like, don't go somewhere where, you know, like if it's going to bother you that much that alcohol is being served somewhere and you find it such a trigger still, don't go. Right. And we've talked about that. We talked about that in the peer pressure episode. Yeah. And and if you actually have ever read the big book, it says Mm -hmm. once you're spiritually fit enough, right, and and you have your shit together, essentially, you will Mm -hmm. be able to go places where alcohol is served. Mm hmm. You may not choose it to serve it at like your own house or like your own, you know, event or something. But like if if you're working the program like you're supposed to, right, according to the big book right, in a 12-step program, you can go to a place where there's alcohol and it will not be triggering for you. You will not relapse. You will not. Nothing will happen. Right. You can set up, you can set up your recovery program however you want. Like if you... If you genuinely enjoy people's company that, you know, that, and those people subscribe to that Cali sober lifestyle and you don't agree with it, um, you can, you can have a conversation with them and basically say, listen, I would appreciate it if, you know, when we hang out that you don't engage in anything like that, like that would, that would make it easier for me and if they genuinely enjoy your company and the feeling is mutual, then they won't. Um, but if not, they're like, no, that's what I want to do. Like if we go to Applebee's, I want to be able to have a beer with a burger. Then just tell them, hey, then we can't hang out. Like we can't be friends, yeah. at least for right now. Um, and I think and I hope people understand that when we talk about harm reduction as a method of recovery, it's not necessarily how people roll for the duration of their recovery process. I mean, hopefully at some point when, you know, at some point in your recovery process, if you're subscribing to this harm reduction model, you'll be like, okay, I've removed every possible risk to using. Now I'm just using and it's still causing problems for me. So maybe I need to stop. So at some point, when you're, you know, through that harm reduction process, you're like, okay, maybe I'll transition to abstinence only. Mm-hmm. Maybe now it's the time for me to make that decision. Like, I don't want to put drugs in my body or I don't want to put alcohol in my body anymore. Yeah. So and, just and for, for some people, it's, it's different too. Like I've seen a lot of people that struggle with drugs in particular, especially mm-hmm. like opiates that they drink literally one drink, like one alcoholic drink. If they go out here and there, Mm-hmm. and never have a problem with it. Why? I don't know. Some people can do it. Some people cannot do it. Um, so. Props to those people. And if yeah. you are one of those people, <laughs> I would really I would really love to know how you do that. So reach out to us on the Sober Highway, at the Sober Highway, um, on all of the major podcasting platforms. Or you could shoot us an email. Um, I'm trying to think of what else, what else? Oh, um, I have one more, one more thing. Um, let's see. 
Um, okay. So we want to, the Sober Highway podcast would like to extend our deepest condolences to artist Keisha Cole as her mother has recently passed away from a drug overdose. Um, her death, the mother's death was first announced by um, Keisha's sister who shared the news on her Instagram. Um, so Keisha herself has yet to make a statement regarding her mother's passing. Um, I don't think we know just yet uh, what substance it was that she was using that prompted her overdose and unfortunate death. Uh, but as soon as we get that information, we'll share it. But again, I just want to, on behalf of Anika and I, we want to express our condolences to Keisha. Because yeah. losing losing a parent, especially at <clears throat> sorry at such a young age, is 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 difficult. Keep yeah. actually. You know, I don't know I, how Keisha Cole is, but that's what I mean. Actually, yeah, I don't think she's like super young, but uh, but it doesn't matter, right? Like anybody who loses a parent, a sibling, a spouse, a child, right? Like anything, like especially to to like not like a medical issue, right? Mm-hmm. It's heartbreaking. You know, I mean, it's, it's heartbreaking for a medical issue, but I think when somebody struggles with like mental health or substance abuse, it's again, that, that stigma is still so there. And it's like, this person was struggling. Right. You know, this is one of those things where <clears throat> it's not, again, I'm not, I'm not an expert on bereavement counseling, grief counseling. I can only speak from experience. But like when my, when my grandfather passed away, he was 95 when he passed away, but towards the end of his life, his health, bless you. Thank you. Um, <clears throat> towards the end of his life, his health was significantly declining. Right. And we knew that it was only a matter of time before he passed away. So for me, I started to mentally prepare for that. So when he ultimately passed away, I would be okay and I would be able to cope with it. And I never like broke down and cried like really hard when he passed away, which I did when my other grandparents passed away because I was prepared. I knew mm-hmm. it was going to happen. Right. Um, I had, you know, when, when people have like end stage, like terminal cancer, you know, people have a chance to prepare and, you know, mentally get ready for something like this because eventually that per- that patient is going to pass away. Yeah. Now, where substance use is unique is that, at least in my opinion, like, you know that if a person continues and continues to use, especially opioids, right, eventually that person is going, if they don't get help soon, they're going to die. They're either going to overdose or, you know... Maybe the withdrawal will prompt them to do, you know, take matters into their own hands. You know what I mean? Things like that. Um, so and, and it's, it's hard because it's like, depending on how well, you know, that person's use also mm-hmm. can give you the indication of, of how you prepare. Right. So right. like, you know, if you think that somebody's just drinking alcohol and smoking weed and really they're, they're <clears throat> addicted to fentanyl. Right. Right. And you have no idea. Um, you may be very surprised. 
Right. The point, the point, right. The point I'm trying to make is I feel like with addiction, no matter, no matter how much you prepare when that person ultimately overdoses and dies, it's, it comes as such a shock that you don't know what to do with yourself. And I think there's like, sorry. Cause I feel like if, especially someone who overdoses a lot, who has a history of a long overdose history, it's like, okay, they overdosed again. Let me, where, you know, when are they going to get out of the hospital? I'll go pick them up. And they're like, no, no, no. Like you're not picking them up. Like that's it. Like they died. Mm-hmm. And that like, that comes as such a shock to you and you don't know what to do with it. Well, yeah. And I was going to say, I think that the other thing is too, a lot of people blame themselves right? in terms of, well, I should have done more. I could have done more. Um, you know, if, if only I, I reached out to try to help them more, this right. wouldn't have happened. Right. And so like, and, and the survivor's guilt part, right. Of family or friends, um, that's very unique in terms of mental health and substance abuse compared to a medical issue. Of death, right. Right. Um, and so I think that that's something that I see a lot. Um, I know when I worked in uh, residential uh, treatment facility, that I was working with a lot of women who were still involved with their partners, but they didn't get to see them. Um, Their partners were still using, right? And they're in this treatment program and their partners OD'd and died, right? Right. A lot. And it's it's awful. It's awful Mm -hmm. because every single one of them, I should have been able to do more. I could have helped him. Mm-hmm. If only he would have listened to me. Right. right. And and it's just, it's a horrible, horrible way to like, just beat yourself up over and over for something you couldn't have controlled and trying to get to that point and acceptance that like, this person had a disease, right? Yes, there were choices involved, but this person had a disease. Right. You know? And, and there was nothing else you could have done. Right. Wow. This just took a very sad turn. Yeah. Um, and we apologize to that because we want to keep things upbeat here on the Sober Highway podcast. Um, but in terms of <clears throat> healing. Right. I, I, I can take it there. In terms of healing, right? Talk to someone. If you lost someone due to, to addiction, you know, reach out to to a therapist, to a peer support group, um, you know, reach out to someone to help process that loss in a healthy way so that you don't beat yourself up. So you don't relapse if you're at risk for that yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Um, just reach out for help in, in some way. And, you know, there's, there's plenty of people I know too that after, you know, they're able to process some of that, they're able to give back in a lot of ways to the addiction community, right? And the recovery community and, and share their stories of how they, they got through it and what they wish people would know, right? And help give education mm-hmm. and hope. So. Well, again, Keisha, we extend you our deepest condolences. And hey, if you'd like to come on the show and talk about what you're going through and, you know, we would love to have you on the show. So who have we, who have we, uh, on a brighter note, who have we shouted out on this podcast already? We've shouted out 
Well, we shouted out Keisha today. We shouted out Demi today. We've been shouting out AJ. Mm-hmm. Um, even even Lala, I don't know. Even Lala, I, I, don't, I don't, don't even know, know who you, Lala Kent is. But, but if you want to to talk you, more about um, this, yeah. this whole use of California sober and why it ticks you off, please <laughs> let us right. know. Right. Right. <laughs> Tell um, me if I'm wrong <clears throat> in my my you know assessment of of what's bothering you. Right. Right. Um, we have we actually have a couple of uh, a couple of interesting things coming up. Uh, so I am actually having, I'm going to be meeting after we record this, I'm going to be meeting with, um, Chelsea from the sticky Eddie podcast. Um, and we might, we might do an interview, like she'll come on our show and one or both of us will go on her show. Um, she lost her father to alcohol addiction and she, which prompted her to start her podcast. So <clears throat> Chelsea, you know, we wish you the best with your podcast. And, um, you know, again, we express our condolences um, for your father. Uh, but we're going to be doing that. Um, and then also someone reached out to us about possibly doing an episode about dating and recovery. Um, I believe they're like a dating coach. And, you know, she made some really good points about how, you know, it being in recovery and dating could be an interesting topic. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that's, I think that's it. You have any plans for the rest of the day? I have some work to do. Um, Still working on the audit. Yeah. A little bit. It should, I should be able to mail it out tomorrow. So it shouldn't be a big deal. Um, Okay. We did a lot of baby clothes laundry. uh, Yes. Laundry. Yeah, you have to wash all the baby clothes before the baby comes. I thought those clothes are brand new. Yeah, you have to wash all of them. <laughs> so weird, but okay. Yes, well, because they've been <laughs> sit- they've been sitting around, right? And so, like, you don't know where they've been sitting, who's touched them, all that like good stuff. So you're supposed to in, you know, mm-hmm. m- most parents will um, wash all the clothes. So I did like towels and sheets. I did two loads earlier in the week. And then last night we did all the baby clothes. So we did all the light stuff and all the dark stuff. And so now we have to hang everything, fold everything, put it all away. Okay. Okay. Those little tiny socks. They're like this big. (laughs) They're like this big. Stop. And then then you try to like find the other one. And it's like, (laughs) these are so getting lost at some point in the future. Oh yeah. Well, one of the things that I used to do when I was in college is I would wash all the socks in a, in a bag. That's probably a smart idea. So that way you don't get a visit from the sock genie, mm-hmm. the sock fairy, whatever it is. It. I remember I saw a meme. It was two socks plus one washer plus one dryer equals one sock. Mm-hmm. Sounds about right. And that's even for like normal adult size socks. Forget you know, the, and, little, the little socks and mittens that are this big. Right. And what's crazy is I bet if you just put two socks in there, you would still only get one. Get one. Yeah. Well, we, we lucked out. We we have matches for all the socks still, <laughs> but I don't anticipate that lasting much longer. <laughs> also, what you could do is, um, I don't know how feasible it is, but like they, they make things that you can like clip to the socks to keep them together. So like, like during the wash cycle. 
I like right. the little mesh bag better. Throw it in there. Yeah, yeah. That that's that's usually much easier. Um so this week, I think as soon as we're done recording, um I gotta wrap up my mattress and the mattress bags that we bought, throw that up in the attic. Um because we got to move it out of the hallway because we're going to be painting soon. Plus, we're trying to sell the mattress. So if anyone's listening that lives in the New York metro area that wants to buy a queen-size memory foam mattress, reach out to your boy and we can work something out. But um, we're going to be taping up all the moldings in the hallway so we can start painting and we need to remove everything out um, so we can do that. Nice. Um, And then... Uh, what was the other thing I needed to do? Uh, we got to do laundry ourselves. Um, but Michelle's working right now. I think she's starting her work day in about, <clears throat> it's 9.57 now. So in about like three minutes, she's going to be starting her work from home day. If she works on Sundays? Yeah. Well, she's, she's starting with a new company. Um, they're going to be opening up a store in, I don't want to go, I don't want to say what company it is, but they're opening up a brand new location at the Walt Whitman mall. So it's literally like they're building out the store now. And within a couple, like a week or so, they're going to be opening, you know, like when you go to the mall and you see like the, the, like the thing like coming soon Mm -hmm. and it looks like wood is like outside the store and like they put like a big thing over it. That's basically what's there now. Um, okay, so that makes sense why she she would have to work on, like, a Sunday for right now. Yeah, I mean, eventually, like, at some point, like, she's going to have to work Sundays. Mm-hmm. Um, that And that's just, that's just how retail works. Um, yeah. But the good thing is that she's, she's basically the assistant GM, I think. And her, like, best friend, who she's worked the last three jobs with, is the GM. So he's the one that's, he's the one that's in charge of making the schedule for all the employees. Uh, so he he knows how her schedule is going to be. He knows my days off. So he's so going nice to try his best. To... If you could have like similar days. Exactly. Um, I think he basically said to her, like, I'll make sure that you always have Monday off. So that way, at least you and Dan can have a day together to do whatever you need to do. Um, and if we can get Sundays off, sometimes it'll be great. Um, you know, if we want to go on vacation, if we plan it enough in advance, we'll be able to get that Sunday as well. Um, so that's good. We have, we have our ace in the hole with that. So right now it's basically just like learning. She's just going to be learning about all the different products. Um, if you look, it's a company that deals with, with these bad boys. Um, I think we, we, or we, uh, Dealt with them recently. Oh, you have? Well, Carlos, yeah. I'm very happy. I I love these glasses. I really do. Um, I need to order some new ones probably pretty... I'm I'm holding off right now, but I would go with them too because he had a good experience. Hold off on that because I could possibly pull a string and get you a promo code for like a friends and family discount. So I don't know when she's going to be getting them. So when you're ready to get them... Let me know and I'll talk to Michelle and I'll see what we could do. Yeah. Um, so I think that's pretty much it. Um, thank you to our two listeners that dropped uh, a like, 
and a love on our on our stream. Uh, we have one viewer on Twitch right now and one viewer on Facebook right now. Um, thank you for tuning in. If you enjoyed our content today um, and you're listening to this after the fact, um, please make sure to um, subscribe to our podcast on all of our on all of the major podcasting platforms. Uh, we are currently on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Stitcher. Uh, make sure to follow us on all of our uh, social media platforms. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Get involved with our um, our campaign to get AJ McLean on the Sober Highway podcast, or Demi Lovato, or Lala Kent, or Keisha Cole, or any celebrity that you think would be an, an amazing discussion on our show. Shout them out, tag us, do whatever. Um, <clears throat> if you have a question that you would like us to answer on the podcast, um, if you have any information that you think would be pretty cool for Anika and I to have that you want to share with the rest of the community, um, if you want to be a guest on our show, um, you can DM us on any of our social media platforms, um, or you can shoot us an email at the sober highway at gmail.com and we will, um, try our best to get back to you as soon as possible. Um, <clears throat> Liana, she left us a comment. Nice listening to you guys. Have a great day. Thank you so much for listening, Liana. We really appreciate you tuning in. Um, but yeah, so that's pretty much it. Anika, do you have anything that you want to add? No. Okay. No, I, I think that's it. <clears throat> Jesus Christ. I got to get rid of this cough. Yeah. But anyway, early. Yeah. So anyway, again, thank you, everybody. And we will catch you on next week's episode. Bye, everybody. <laughs>